House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is in Taiwan, despite Beijing threatening serious consequences if she went through with the visit. The U.S. and Japan are working to stand up to what they describe as Beijing's economic coercion. And several key industries could benefit from the effort. Thousands of China's wealthy are looking to leave the country and could take over $40 billion with them. We examine what prompted the exodus and an arrest followed by an allegedly fake bomb threat. A human rights activist accuses Beijing of setting him up. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is in Taiwan. Arriving Tuesday night local time, she is now the highest-ranking American official to visit the self-ruled island in 25 years. That's despite threats of serious consequences from Beijing. Pelosi and her congressional delegation were greeted by Taiwanese officials at the airport. She is expected to meet with Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen on Wednesday. In a statement released immediately after her arrival, Pelosi called her visit a sign of America's unwavering commitment to Taiwan. She stressed their deep friendship is rooted in shared interests and values, self-determination and self-government, democracy and freedom, human dignity and human rights. Pelosi added that the visit does not contradict long-standing United States policy, guided by the Taiwan Relations Act of 1979. China claims Taiwan is part of its territory and has threatened to annex the island by force if necessary. It also views visits to Taiwan by foreign government officials as recognition of the island's sovereignty and as insult to Beijing. Pelosi's visit has won support from Republicans, with 26 GOP senators backing her up in a joint statement. Countering communist China while protecting Taiwan has become one of the very few issues that unite Democrats and Republicans. And, uh, at the end of the day, you do not want the Chinese Communist Party dictating to senior American leaders where they can and cannot travel. So my view, and I think the view of a number of senators, is that we should close ranks now and not let the Chinese Communist Party try to drive wedges between American elected officials or the White House. What are your thoughts on uh, Speaker Pelosi's trip to Taiwan? I think it's great, and I'll tell you the reason I think it's great. We've all been to Taiwan, and we should go. They're peace-loving, and they're, they're a freedom-loving uh, country, and we do an awful lot of trade with them, and, uh, and we've been very supportive. I've been there. I think every senator and congressperson has been there. So She won't be the last to go over there. I'd love to see President Biden go. The Biden administration did not explicitly urge Pelosi to call off the visit, but it has sought to assure Beijing that U.S. policy on Taiwan hasn't changed. Uh, and so if the speaker does decide to visit and China tries to um, create some kind of uh, crisis or otherwise escalate tensions, that would be entirely uh, on Beijing. Uh, we uh, are looking for, the, for, for them in the event she decides to visit. Uh, to act responsibly uh, and not to engage in, uh, in, in any escalation. But Beijing has nonetheless reacted through economic measures against Taiwan and cyber attacks. The Chinese regime just banned the import of more than 100 Taiwanese food products, including a number of popular brands. At the same time, the website of Taiwan's presidential office was hit by a cyber attack traced from overseas. Meanwhile, the CCP on early Wednesday morning summoned U.S. Ambassador to China Nicholas Burns to protest Pelosi's visit. 
With the world watching House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, locals have split views over her arrival. Some are calling it a war of words. Here's more. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is in Taiwan, and the U.S. says it will not be intimidated by Chinese saber-rattling over the visit. Taipei residents were divided over the speaker's visit amid intensifying warnings from China. One university student says the visit will help improve Taiwan-U.S. relations. I hope that the relationship between Taiwan and the U.S. can improve a little bit, so Pelosi's visit should be a good thing for us. We are hoping that she can fly over and visit Taiwan. Though his classmate says he disagrees. The visit won't have any real benefit. In the end, we are just a chess piece in someone else's game. It is very hard for Taiwan to walk its own path, as we are so nondescript on the international stage. So there's nothing we can do. So this visit doesn't mean anything, to be honest. It's just a war of words. A person familiar with Pelosi's itinerary said her meeting with President Tsai Ing-wen was scheduled for Wednesday. Pelosi had been visiting Malaysia earlier on Tuesday, having begun her Asia tour in Singapore on Monday. China has been ratcheting up diplomatic and military pressure on Taiwan. As the threat of a Chinese invasion becomes increasingly possible, Taiwan is taking measures to ensure its people are prepared. And it is Chen Yiwu has the story. Are the Taiwanese people ready in the case of an invasion by Beijing? The island wants to make sure that answer is yes. That's as rising Chinese military pressure and Russia's invasion of Ukraine bring new attention to a potential Chinese attack. Right now, Taiwan is preparing its air raid shelters. The democratic island has vowed to defend itself and has made strengthening its defenses a priority, making sure both the military and civilians are prepared. When you look at the war in Ukraine, when they, the Russians, strike, in the beginning they would hit military targets, but it's hard to imagine that they would not hurt the innocent public. Normal buildings, organizations or schools could get hit by strikes too. In the same vein, Taiwan could face the same situation. During the drills, civilians could be seen crouching in basement parking lots. They cover their ears and eyes while keeping their mouths open to minimize the impact of blast waves. Taipei has more than 4,600 designated shelters that can accommodate some 12 million people, more than four times its population. Shelter entrances are marked with yellow labels in underground spaces like basement parking lots, the subway system and underground shopping centers. But many in Taiwan are unaware of the shelter system that stretches under much of the city. I have always thought this is just a place for shopping. So when I heard you say it's a bomb shelter, I felt very surprised. Harmony Wu didn't know that an underground shopping concourse where she practiced dance would become an air raid shelter in the event of war. But she says she understands its importance. I think war is brutal. We've never experienced war because since we were born, we've had peaceful times. Well, it counts as peace. I think we aren't prepared and won't immediately realize at the time that war has arrived. We might still be laughing and having fun without knowing that outside the war had already started. Taipei officials have been making information about these shelters more accessible launching a social media and poster campaign and marking their locations on an app.
Chenny Wu, NTD News. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov met with his Chinese counterpart Wang Yi last week. The meeting was held in the Uzbek capital Tashkent on the sidelines of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Foreign Minister's meeting. According to the Russian Foreign Ministry's website, the two parties assessed Russian-Chinese relations positively, saying they continue to develop dynamically in a difficult geopolitical situation. Today, we see how the world is transforming towards greater diversity and balance. The number of truly inclusive forms of interaction is growing. This evolution is supported by many states, including Russia, China, and most countries in Asia, Africa, and Latin America that are seeking to pursue an independent policy. Lavrov added that Russia supports these processes together with its Chinese partners. The ministers also discussed the prospects and modernization of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. Lavrov's visit to Uzbekistan followed a four-day trip to Africa, where Moscow sought to strengthen ties with countries outside what it calls the Collective West. Coming up, a look at how the U.S. is working with Japan to counter Beijing. Plus, we look at why 10,000 wealthy Chinese people are looking to flee their country. Hear more on that story in just a minute here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Around 10,000 wealthy Chinese people are looking to leave their country. If they do, they're expected to take more than $40 billion with them and out of China. Why do they want to leave? And will the Chinese regime let them go? Let's take a closer look. 10,000 wealthy Chinese citizens are looking to migrate. That's according to estimates from investment migration consultancy Henley and Partners. The surge is reportedly the second largest predicted outflow of wealthy residents from a single nation this year, only second to Russia. But the difference between the two countries, Moscow is currently at war, while Beijing isn't. If those looking to leave China are successful, data shows they stand to take the equivalent of 48 billion U.S. dollars out of the country with them. Let's take a closer look at what's prompting the departures. Chinese authorities noticed the unusual migration flow months ago, when the country's months-long COVID-19 drive lockdowns started. China-based companies have taken heavy losses, and some small and medium-sized businesses were forced to close permanently because of it. With those harsh restrictions inspiring people to leave, the question remains whether Beijing will allow the mass relocation. China's passport application process has recently ramped up its requirements. While immigration lawyers say the rules surrounding what documentation is needed have become more complicated. On the financial side, large outflows of money could cause major consequences for China. Banks across the country have started limiting customers' ability to make cash withdrawals. Some of them allow account holders to take out a thousand yuan or less per day, equal to about 150 U.S. dollars. On the other hand, customers can still deposit money into the banks without issue. Financial experts say the policies could be an attempt by local authorities to control how much cash leaves the country. The United States is working with Japan to counter China's growing influence. That's according to comments from the U.S. ambassador to Japan. 
At the same time, Beijing is using its economic might to push for political change around the world. NTD's Chen Wu has more. The U.S. diplomat to Japan says that economic cooperation between Washington and Tokyo is going strong, with one of its top priorities set as countering China. Japan and the United States were the number one foreign direct investor in each other's countries. Not one year, but two years consistently. Now, this year is not done, but I think we're in a real strong position. That's all I'll say. Ambassador Japan Rahm Emanuel called Beijing a top player of economic coercion, adding if Beijing doesn't like what you say politically, they put the muscles on you economically. He gave Japan as an example. The country saw Chinese shipments of rare earth metals blocked over a territorial dispute, while South Korea suffered Chinese business boycotts while it installed a U.S. missile defense system. The idea that they could actually honestly say, we don't coerce, and then you have not one, not two, not three, many worldwide examples where they've used their economic market access to force a political change in a country. And I think everybody's woken up to that. Emmanuel is pushing the U.S. to deepen economic cooperation with Japan to counter that economic coercion. Key collaboration areas include semiconductors, batteries and energy. Japan says it'll provide as much as $700 million to help U.S. firms boost memory chip output at a Japanese plant. American firms like Western Digital Corp and partner Kyoxia Holdings are set to benefit from the deal. Meanwhile, Japanese industrial conglomerate Panasonic picked Kansas as the site for a new battery plant. The deal came together after President Biden talked with Panasonic executives in Japan. A new accusation against the Chinese regime faking a bomb threat. The incident led to the arrest of a human rights activist in London. A vocal critic of the Chinese Communist Party, Drew Pavlov, said a false email matching his name claimed he would blow up an embassy in the city over Beijing's repression of the Uyghur ethnic group. He said British police held him for 23 hours and denied him access to councillor authorities. More on this from NTD's Jane Wirral. Australian human rights activist Drew Pavlo was arrested here in the UK over false bomb threats sent to the Chinese embassy. An email claimed he would blow up the embassy, that's a building behind me, over Beijing's oppression of the Uyghurs. That email was sent to the police, who then arrested him. Pavlo says the email and the accusations have been fabricated by the Chinese regime and that he was peacefully protesting outside. They've made up this email claiming that I sent in the bomb threat. It's just absolute insanity. Pavlu, a vocal critic of the Chinese Communist Party who speaks out for those persecuted in China, has not been charged but remains on police bail. London's Metropolitan Police confirms that a man was detained at the Chinese embassy last Thursday. Police say he was offered legal advice and he attempted to glue his hand to the outside of the embassy. Pavlu says he was denied access to Australian consular authorities, but he did try to glue his hand with a Taiwan flag on the front gate of the embassy. He says this has nothing to do with a bomb threat. Pavlou says that the Chinese embassy reported him as a terrorist and the UK police arrested him. The bomb hoax email was sent from an account called DrewPavlou99 at protonmail.me, an account which he says he's never seen. There are also reports of a fake email which appears to be signed by the Crown Prosecution Service and attacks Michael Pollack, the barrister working on his case. 
Not long after his arrest, an article published by Chinese state-run Global Times attacked Pavlou. Pavlou was planning to return to Australia on Sunday and has got in touch with the Australian High Commission. He's calling on the police to investigate the Chinese embassy's involvement and to allow him to go home. Jane Warrell, NTG News, London. How far does Beijing take its internet censorship efforts? References to animated character Winnie the Pooh has been banned on Chinese social media for years. Just because someone once compared it with the Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping. Now, a poem about cicadas is getting similar treatment. The author of the now viral poem is in hot water with Chinese authorities. They say his writing alludes to Xi Jinping. An editor for Shanghai Media Group, who goes by the name Xuan Kejiong, online last week shared the cicada-focused poem on Weibo. The platform is considered China's version of Twitter. But Xuan was made to delete the post after just half an hour. By then, screenshots had already begun to circulate and garner attention. The poem expresses his frustrations with the insect's loud chirping amid Shanghai's sizzling summer heat. But his usage of phrases like fathead big ears and thinking you are smart to describe the bugs have been interpreted as references to Xi Jinping. In the censored environment of the Chinese web, users have been known to resort to using indirect references to criticize Beijing's leadership. That's because direct criticism could bring retaliation from the authorities. In one instance, a popular Chinese app called Little Red Book deleted over 560 terms associated with direct or indirect references to Xi Jinping. That list included phrases like Winnie the Pooh writing history. Reports say the Shanghai news agency Xuan works for reprimanded him over the poem. According to an internal memo, the poet acknowledged that he was unaware of the sensitivity. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus@ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. Presenting the heritage of traditional Chinese martial arts, promoting martial ethics and reviving the true tradition. The 2022 NTD International Traditional Chinese Martial Arts Competition Preliminaries will be held in New York and Taiwan. On August 28th, the finals will be broadcast live online worldwide. Registration hotline 188-477-9228. For more information, please visit martialarts.ntdtv.com.